0: Hey, and welcome back to a musical guide to the end of the world. This is episode number two. First of all, thank you so much. I was really unsure about posting this podcast and starting it up. Um, as I said in episode one, this is a huge experiment. I have no idea what I'm doing, but the feedback I've got for episode one has been really, really great. So here we are. We're, we're keeping the, the the dream alive. We're keeping the ball rolling, and here we are at number two. If this is the first episode you're joining us for, I highly recommend going back and listening to episode one because it will give context to what this show is about and what we're doing. Jonas here as usual. Uh, I'm really excited about today's episode. I got to sit down virtually and chat with a fantastic musician by the name of Ken Yates, um, and that will be coming up shortly. If you guys aren't familiar with Ken Yates, I strongly suggest that you check him out online. He is a fantastic singer-songwriter originally from London, Ontario. As you'll hear in the in the interview that I did with him, he's lived everywhere from Boston to New York City to Toronto, and now he's living in, in rural Ontario since the beginning of the pandemic. We had a great chat, and it was really quite awesome because I am a huge fan of his, and I got to fanboy him for an hour, and I don't think I would have had the opportunity to do that had it not been for this show. So that's coming up very shortly. Before that, I just wanted to sit and chat for a bit and talk to you guys about showbiz, etc. Um, there's none of it. Uh, and that's that's basically it. If you're a fan of the band and you listen to this show to get to know the band a little better, that's great. Um, I figured I could give you guys a few updates about what we have been up to recently. So it is uh, the end of March. As I'm recording this, this episode will be out on April the 5th. So pretend it's April the 5th. We spent all of March um, rehearsing together for the first time since November. Uh, It was great to be in the same room as one another and to start working on some new material and shaking off the rust on some old tunes. We were doing it in a big space uh, in Kingston where we were able to do it sort of six feet apart safely with masks on, etc. Which is a very strange thing to be navigating with your bandmates and best friends who you've been... In close quarters with and in close contact with for the better part of six years to then be very cautious to not get too close to one another uh but that being said we got to rehearse and we we're doing it three or four nights a week and we were working on some new tunes which uh are, is really exciting we went away in november and we worked on a bunch of songs um and uh and then throughout the January lockdown, we kind of scattered to our various corners of Kingston and started demoing these songs from our bedrooms, um, which was challenging. You know, we've always been a band that has done our best work when we're under the same roof together, and never before have we been in a scenario wherein we have to write parts for everything on our own. So that was a real challenge to get the demos down in the first place to then have an idea of how our songs that we'd written sounded individually, uh, to then bring them to the whole band and try and explain to one another how to play the parts that we'd already written. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of what, what the situation was. So we managed to, to sort of shake off the rust a bit and workshop some new tunes, which has been really, really great. We were supposed to have our first show of 2021 at this venue in Ottawa called Live on Elgin, where we have played numerous times before. It's a fantastic venue right downtown, and they do wonderful things for live music in Ottawa and in Ontario and Canada. Unfortunately, we sold both shows out uh, a matinee and an evening show, but unfortunately, uh, we had to cancel it the day before due to uh, a spike in COVID-19 numbers and uh ottawa moved into the red zone banning live music so if you're listening to this and you bought a ticket for the show and you're feeling a bit disappointed my my apologies we will be refunding well i think we have refunded all the tickets and we will reschedule the show uh for a later date we're hoping may or june and we will keep you updated on that for the time being There isn't a lot going on for the band. Our time at the rehearsal space that we are renting runs out as of today. So we will be loading everything out and trying to find a place to rehearse safely again. And hopefully we will be back into the studio in May. COVID dependent, obviously. And I can't go into too much details about what we're recording right now as we want it to be a little bit of a secret. But I can give you this much. We will be back at the bathhouse we will be working with a fabulous producer and if you have been to a wilderness show at any point over the last five years chances are you may have heard a song or two that we're going to record that's all i'm going to give you and right now we're going to jump right into the episode with Kenyans. Ken Yates, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk to me today. I have been jittery with excitement all week to talk to you. Thank you so much, man.
1: Uh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me.
0: So where are, where, where are you joining us from today?
1: Uh, so I actually just moved to a town called Cremore, Ontario, which is about an hour and a half north of Toronto, kind of close to Collingwood area. So yeah, because nice. of COVID, we, uh, we, we were in Toronto for a while and... We've been talking about moving to the country for a long time and covid kind of kick that and so we decided to pull the plug and and uh move up move up to the country
0: fair enough man honestly I, I i i've been thinking of doing the same thing for a while and i know a bunch of people were in a similar situation where you know where where you're paying hand over fist to live in the city the benefits of that are you know you have all the amenities of a big city right at your doorstep but when that's taken away from you it's kind of like why why am i here you know
1: yeah totally well and that's the thing like i i love it right now but it's you know all i know about my existence living in the country is is uh is in covid times so we'll see right. we'll see what happens once uh, things go back to normal if i start missing the city at all but for now it's great sure. especially uh with us both both working from home so it's been good
0: nice so uh so you were living in toronto for basically you, you, are you are you from there, or, or did you move there for a while? Tell me about that.
1: Uh, no, I'm from London, Ontario, originally, and uh, okay. then I was uh, down in the states for a while. I went to school down in in the states, and uh, then you're at Berkeley, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Berkeley in Boston, right. yeah. and then uh, moved to New York briefly. Was there for about a year and a half, and then then I was in Toronto for the next for for the last uh, eight years or so.
0: That must be uh, quite the the change of pace to go from New York City to Creemore, Ontario.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Although, like, it's kind of my, you know, it's my perfect pace. Like, I've always kind of fantasized about moving to the country, and you know, New York wasn't really for me, anyways. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm happier with a bit more uh, more space.
0: <laughs> Fair enough, man. Um, so I just wanted to talk to you today because I'm a huge fan, um, and I. I mean, I've myself and and my bandmates have been pretty well obsessed with your with your music since we discovered your music about a year and a half ago, as well as a lot of my friends in Kingston. Um, and I just yeah, I wanted to sort of chat with you today to see how you're doing and to sort of uh, inquire to how your life has been as a musician, um, especially now that our lives as musicians have been basically turned on their heads and shaken up and and stuff like that. Um, but I I wanted to 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 start off today by saying um, that Quiet Talkers is, is quite possibly one of my favorite records of all time, and it was oh, thanks, hands man. down my favorite record of last year.
1: Oh, that's awesome! That's great to hear. I appreciate it.
0: Oh yeah, my pleasure, man. And uh, when we came home, was my was my I think it was my top. It, it was definitely my top ten. I think it was either my second or third most listened to song on Spotify uh, of last year. And uh, I feel kind of uh, maybe I'm fanboying a little bit here, but I was in your top one percent of listeners on Spotify last year. That's so.
1: awesome, man. Well, I mean, you're yeah, you're probably like literally the one percent that uh, has <laughs> 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 it wasn't that well listened to. <laughs>
0: oh well, well yeah, well I'll keep I'll keep giving you those zero point zero zero six <laughs> uh, cents per stream from where I am. Appreciate it. So basically, what what happened was. Um, you recorded Quiet Talkers in, here in Kingston. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And Dylan Lodge was engineering and Jim Bryson produced the record.
1: Yep, that's right.
0: Nice. So I was scrolling through Instagram. I guess, when were you recording it, actually?
1: Uh, the new one or?
0: the uh, So Quiet Talkers, like oh, when, quiet. when did you hit the studio? To oh, that? Uh,
1: about, uh, I think, winter of. Oh now I can't even remember it seems like so long ago. I guess it was yeah winter of 2019, I think, yeah, yeah, then we released it in may, yeah
0: right, right um yeah i was I was scrolling through Instagram one day and uh, I saw my friend Dylan Lodge's Instagram story, and you know, there was just the fifteen second snippet, and I heard this guy singing in uh in the booth at North of Princess and i and I messaged him being like, dude, who is that?" And he got back to me. and He's like, "Oh, that's Ken Yates. He's in the studio right now." Um, then I sort of did a deep dive on uh, on on your Spotify and stuff, and and really got pulled in. And the song, the first song I heard of yours was um, the one that got away. Okay, yeah. And uh, that became a fixture of uh, of uh, my Monday nights. I bartend uh, here in town at this bar called Red House, and. Monday nights were always very sad and very slow and very quiet. And I had a playlist <laughs> that I put on from about twelve o'clock till two AM called Crying on the Kitchen Floor. And, <laughs> and
1: and Oh, I know the Red House
0: well. Oh, you do? Okay.
1: <laughs> my uh yeah, my wife went to uh went to Queens. So we've spent some time at the Red House. So I, I know what you mean.
0: <laughs> so uh yeah, I mean if you guys are ever in town on a Monday night and you wanna come cry on the kitchen floor with me and like the one cook that's in the bar at that time of night, you know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> nice sounds good so so yeah you guys recorded quiet talkers you had jim Bryson producing and and then you know as most musicians do you record your record you figure out a release strategy and then you hit the road can you tell me a little bit about uh the release strategy of that album and and how covid completely disrupted that
1: yeah well so yeah like i said we we recorded it in in uh winter of 2019 I did and I didn't release it until spring of 2020 and mostly because I was just kind of you know shopping it around for a while kind of to to see who who might be interested in releasing it sent it to a few labels in Canada and the US and and was doing some touring in the meantime and um yeah there wasn't wasn't really a ton of interest but then I uh, I met a uh, or I got in contact with a kind of a distribution company in uh, Nashville called Tone Tree and they kind of specialize in uh in like um, you know Spotify releases and and playlisting and stuff so they kind of came up with this release strategy of of putting out a single every month leading up to the album release like five singles leading up to the full album release which seemed kind of insane to me to like have like a 6 month release plan cuz by that time I just wanted to put it out cuz it had already been made for a year um but you know this that's that's i guess the name of the game now is to is to try to to build up the the spotify playlist leading up to release because once you release the album like all you know everything's kind of done by then so everything everything now kind of happens before the album actually comes out so we yeah we took about six months to to put out five singles and and uh it went pretty well i mean i can't complain um every single we put out had more and more attraction on uh, on the streaming websites and um it kind of picked up leading to the album release so yeah it did work but it it's a it's a strange strange process
0: sure is i when we released our our debut record in august and we had a similar thing where we were working with some really really great people on the pr and publishing team um and they were really really pushing for singles and i remember thinking if we just keep releasing singles we're not going to have an album to put out at the end of this cuz it's going to all be out as singles already
1: right Yeah, and then trying to, you know, trying to figure out which song, like, what would be the first song as sort of the, like, it's kind of a sacrificial lamb, the first song is like, you know, it's probably not going to get the most traction, um, especially if you haven't put out an album in a while, and my last release was in 2016, so it had been a while for me, so it it was kind of a struggle for me to figure out which songs to release when, but... um, Yeah. I mean, overall it's been, it's been good, but like you said, I released uh, released the album like right in the middle of, of when COVID was really getting bad. And um, it was good in a way, I I think because when, at the start of the pandemic, everybody was at home and really like felt hungry for new music, which was good. So, so the initial few months was, was I think a good thing, but then, yeah, you know, as the as once the album's out and it's out in the world, and you can't tour with it, um, there's not a lot to uh, not a lot to do from there, other than hope that you know it's out in the world now and that people will find their way to it. But that's been sort of the struggle on the back end of it is just figuring out how to keep this momentum going. Yeah. You know, sitting from home, right?
0: It's it's such a struggle because you know we we sort of you get into a groove of saying time to write the record time to record the record, uh, time to release singles and then put the record out there and then time to hit the road and and tour this as much as I can until you start the cycle again from scratch. And I can definitely relate to that sort of weird feeling of, you know, you spend all this time, money, resource, blood, sweat and tears into putting out a record. It it hits the world wide web and then you sit at home and twiddle your thumbs. Yeah. And it's so (laughs) strange. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and you you sort of have to get you know comfortable in the fact that you know two months after your record is out it it starts to seem like things get quieter than they were around the initial release but you sort of just have to take comfort in the in in knowing that people are still listening to it that they just might not be uh you know physically telling you or you know you may not be hearing from them anymore you know what i mean that's the weird thing is when things go quiet uh you kind of start to panic a little because touring for me is just is all, almost just a way to to like you know feel like you're you're making progress or just be busy you know what i mean it's like um touring feels productive so when you're when you're sitting at home and things are a little quiet then then you start to go a little crazy cuz you know there's only so much uh you know social media stuff you can do until it's just out in the world and and you're hoping people just find their way to it,
0: right? For sure. And I guess touring is, is the real way to see your album paying dividends, you know, because you can, uh, you can tour through, I don't know, Nashville or Regina or Saskatoon a year ago. And, you know, you can sort of count the number of people on one hand, maybe who's in the room. And then you go and you do that circuit a year or two later when you, you know, you've got a, a record out and, and you can see maybe some familiar faces in the crowd, and maybe twenty more people or a hundred more people, and and that to me was always the sort of the 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 sign that this is working, you know? Because
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. No touring, it's it's the best gauge of of like firstly how which which are the songs that are hitting right. Like I haven't played the new album live yet. And so, you know, I have an idea of what, you know, the, the more popular songs are, but the touring is, is the best for just gauging an audience's reaction to the actual songs. And then, like you said, like gauging your actual growth as an artist. Um, it's it's just the best gauge of, you know, just seeing seeing a physical reaction from people, I think is the best gauge of, of, of how things are going.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And there really is no better feeling, I think, than maybe arriving in a city that you've never been to before or you, or you haven't been to in a long time and, and seeing a room full of strangers who are, who are singing the lyrics that you wrote in your bedroom back to you,
1: you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely miss that. That aspect of it, I miss a lot. There's a lot I don't miss. And and for me, um, touring has been the only, mainly the only um, thing that's kind of grown my career Is is it's funny because like every artist has their, their own little, their own pathway of, of which doors are going to open for them. And that you, you sort of just kind of follow the, the doors that are half open and, uh, and just keep following that. And for me, it was touring. It was just, you you know, getting, uh, getting gigs opening for people and, and just constantly, uh, you know, hitting the road like all the time. And now that I'm, have some distance from that, like I I do sort of realize that a lot of it was, was, um, you know, feeling like I was making progress, but not necessarily actually making progress. So now it's interesting taking a step back from it, like what am I gonna do when touring comes back? And I, you know, I do think I'll, I'll look at it differently. Uh, I probably won't, you know, say yes to every single gig that comes my way, which is what I was doing for the last 10 years because, you know, it really does wear on you mentally and physically. And uh and, you know, a lot of those shows, you know, were maybe a, a, a good way for me to to make money and, and stay afloat, but not necessarily uh, you know, move move my career forward. So it is interesting. Like I think I will I will treat touring a bit differently when it comes back and maybe, you know, respect my own uh mental and physical health a bit more <laughs> with it.
0: Man, I yeah, it's one of those things, right? You get into this, you get into this almost like trance when you're on the road, where you know you wake up in the morning and you have a sort of a checkbox of things to achieve that day, and it's uh, I've got to wake up, I've got to get coffee into me, I've got to drive the van or, or or the the car to an X venue to be there at this time to sound check, to load in, to do all these things. Then I've got to play a show and win over an audience, or entertain an audience, and then I have to pack up and do it again the next day. And one of the things that I found personally very challenging by always being on the road is that it might be a Monday or Tuesday night for you, but sometimes the Monday and Tuesday night that you're playing in whichever small town, or whichever small club, the audience who have come out to see you, that's their night out. You know, that's their... Event for the week, you know, and they've taken they've taken maybe the day off work on Tuesday morning, and they're coming out on a Monday night, and they want to party with you, they want to buy you a drink, they want to, what, and then when, when you're doing that every night, it becomes exhausting, and it's just, just frankly not good for you, you know.
1: Absolutely, yeah. That I used to do a lot of like house concert, you know, private event type of shows, and being a solo singer songwriter, it was kind of a good way to to one, you know, fill in those, those Monday and Tuesday nights and, and fill up the week with shows instead of having days off and then also having places to stay. But then you see, you soon realize that staying with, with, you know, relative strangers or absolute strangers every night is just so mentally, uh, wearing on you that I just started saying, you know, screw it. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to book a hotel. Even if, even if I make no money, like just for my sanity, uh, you know, I just, I just need that space because like you said, that's their night to like stay up till 4am and they want to jam with you after and they want to make you a big breakfast and, and which is, which is all great. And, and, you know, I've met some really amazing people doing that, but at the same time, it's like sometimes you just want to go to bed and you want to get up and leave and, you know, not, not be on all the time. So, uh, yeah, it's a
0: really difficult, like sort of, uh, territory to navigate when, you know, somebody has brought you into their home. I've been in very similar situations where someone's brought you into their home. They're excited to have you. They want, they want to call their friends over and and jam with you and, and, and so on and so on. And it's a very delicate thing to be like, I'm very grateful that you brought me into your home and have given me a place to stay I just need to get some sleep. I need to, you know, I need to call my mom. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I, I can't be singing wagon wheel with you until six in the morning. Cause I have a radio thing at nine o'clock tomorrow, you know?
1: <laughs> exactly. And the the other problem with that is it just, is I found that you're so stressed about all the other elements of touring that sometimes you get on stage and maybe you're only doing a 30 minute or 45 minute set and, you're, you're barely even engaged in the set because, you know, your whole day has been revolved around getting yourself to this show. And there's a million things that go wrong with that. And, and sometimes by the time you even walk on stage, you're just exhausted. And, you know, even, you know, maybe the turnout's not good and and you're, you're focused on that. And I just found that, that sometimes I just wasn't even appreciating the, the actual show. And, and then it's like, well, what what what's the point of me being out here if I'm not going to enjoy being being on stage? And luckily, you know, there's been fewer and fewer bad ones. So I am, you know, enjoying uh, the bulk of shows I'm playing. But um, sometimes you just got to ask yourself, like, like what, you know, you know, is it worth it to be to be just like hammering the road all the time? You know what I mean?
0: Mm hmm. I mean, especially like like you mentioned, you know, when you're on the road for extended periods of time, like you know, sometimes a couple of months at a time. Every single day, you've got 24 hours revolving around maybe 45 minutes, yeah. And that 45 minutes is just like adrenaline, dopamine, serotonin firing off at of all cylinders, and then it's over. Right. <laughs> and it's such it's such a roller coaster up and down, and you're doing that every day, day in day out for months on end. I, uh, yeah yeah I, I agree with you, man. It can be really exhausting and sometimes for sure you get there finally after the whole day of driving and worrying and getting ready for this forty five minutes you step on stage and you just you just can't engage with that forty five minutes and then it you walk off stage and you think to yourself did I just play a show was <laughs> right. I even there yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it's, it's it's just a balance man it's like you know there's a lot of things I miss about touring and I can't wait to start playing shows again but um you know, I think I'll definitely value my own my own mental and physical health when we get back to it a bit more.
0: Totally. I, mean, I saw on your Facebook page, when you were talking about the, the tour that you had with uh, Stu Larson that obviously was canceled because of COVID, you said that, you know, you're becoming a glorified long distance truck driver and I have never related to anything more.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's insane when I think about the amount of hours I've clocked driving my Honda Civic around the us and canada like it's it's just insane
0: yeah it's crazy i always tell people that i'm a better driver than i am a musician
1: yeah no i i feel that i feel that
0: (laughs) so you have a new record on the way are we allowed to talk about this i know that you posted this on online recently and i was very excited to hear that
1: yeah no we we can talk about it we're we uh still in the very early stages of it but um i mean basically i've been at home and and have just been writing nonstop, and I didn't really expect to have, or to start working on a record so soon, since we just released Quiet Talkers in May, Um, but you know, there's, I've got the songs. What else uh, can you do, right? (laughs) I've got nothing else to do, so I figured, what the hell, and um, so yeah, we just started uh, tracking last week at uh, at Jim Bryson's place in, uh, just outside of Ottawa, and uh, so yeah, I'm just going to keep plugging away on that and no, I have no release plans yet, but uh, I just thought it'd be nice to have, have something to, uh, to focus on over the next few months, <laughs> not knowing how the, how it's going to go.
0: It's certainly, I, I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel as a, as a musician who spent most of the last six years on the road and working on a project to have that taken away was very, very destabilizing for me. And fortunately for, for us, we finished recording our record about two days before the first lockdown around about this time a year ago. So for the first few months of the lockdown, it was kind of consumed by zoom meetings about release strategies and PR and so on and so on and so on and so on. And then when the album came out, I just sort of sat there and said, well, what do I do with my life now? You know? So I think one of the reasons why I started to do this show is because it's purely out of existential crisis, but I need a project to work on to keep me busy. And, uh, it, was there a little element of that in there in in sort of deciding to take a step towards working on a, a new record with Jim
1: Oh yeah totally just something to keep to keep my mind busy and um yeah. and i i also didn't want these new songs to you know i didn't really want to wait on them if i had them i didn't want them to go stale and um it 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 was actually kind of exciting to work on a group of songs that i've barely played or barely even know how to play cuz the last mm-hmm. few records you know, I would have played the songs on the road for years before going into the studio. So, um, and it was also just out of a, out of, out of a longing to be in the studio a bit more, I think like I, I love the process of recording an album, but, um, I don't necessarily get to do it very often. I don't get to be in the studio mm-hmm. very often. You know, I have my own little home set up, but it's pretty, uh, it's pretty pathetic. And, uh, and it's just fun to, to to play music in a studio with other people, so um, partly just yeah, I just wanted to do that for for my own sanity right now, since there's nothing else to do, and and it's just kind of fun working towards something new, and and you know, in the meantime, I'll, I'll keep keep pushing the songs from Quiet Talkers, but uh, yeah, it's just just nice to have uh, something to work on, as as you said, and you know, I've thought about the podcast thing too, but <laughs> I don't know if I'm a very good podcaster, so. <laughs>
0: me neither dude i have no idea what i'm doing or how so, many
1: have you guys <laughs> done how many podcasts are you this, on now
0: um so right now we're we're recording like a bunch of them so we have like a little uh war chest i guess gotcha. um so this is this is the, this is the fourth and i've got six uh six to no i've got two more interviews booked um and I think we're probably going to try and get like seven or eight before we before we launch it. But uh, it's it's purely just like a little like fun passion project, you know. Like it's uh, it's one of those things that you know our bread and butter has been touring and playing live, and that's kind of been taken away. And and we've been very fortunate to be able to uh, play with some really talented songwriters and musicians from all over the place. So the the, the idea behind this was to be like. Hey guys, feels like the end of the world. What are you doing? how are you how are you surviving? you know what what, what is the world gonna look like for you when all of this is kind of over?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean I think the one positive that's that's come out of this is that I think at, at least the artist community, I don't know about the music community, but the artist community, you know I think it gives all the artists a desire to kind of connect with each other and not necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of artists have kind of the blinders on with their own career, and it's just straightforward, and and um, I think now it's been cool being able to connect with a lot of different artists who, you know, sometimes you just want to talk to, to a, a fellow artist yeah. and just kind of, you know realize that there's there's a lot of musicians who are going through what you're going through and and uh and so that's been really really nice this past year is just kind of connecting with with new people and connecting more with with you know artists i know that i maybe don't get to talk to that often but yeah yeah it's been good
0: I feel like it would have been kind of weird for me just to send you a message on Facebook maybe this time a year ago and be like can I'm a huge fan can we sit down and chat for an hour so this podcast gave me the perfect excuse.
1: <laughs> I probably still would have done it man. I, like I said if <laughs> so I've got the time and uh I'm I'm good good to chat about whatever.
0: That's amazing man. And yeah again so like it's so great to have you. It's uh, I'm I'm a huge huge fan. Um I wanted to ask you about working with Jim Bryson in particular, because this is this record you're working on now. Is this your third record working with Jim?
1: Yeah. Third. Yeah, that's right.
0: And, and what is it about working with him that, 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 you know, a, you liked and B, you returned to two times.
1: Yeah. So I had the same conversation with Jim last week. Cause he was like, no one's ever done a third album with me. <laughs> um, but Jim, Jim, I think what I love about him, I mean, one, he's like, he's insanely talented and he's also uh, a really great songwriter. And I I like working with producers who are also songwriters because I do feel like, you know, they're, they're focused on, on the, the bones of the song more than anything. But Jim also comes from a different background than me, which I like, you know, because, you know, like, like, like you said, I went to Berkeley and, and, uh, you know, studied music there and. And a lot of Berkeley kids kind of come out very polished. And um, <laughs> I know a couple of Berkeley kids. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they, I'm they not have talking a with any of them on this show. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it doesn't have the greatest reputation of, of of people who come out of there. But um, but and Jim comes from a very different background of uh, you know kind of growing up in punk bands and stuff. And mm-hmm. so we we have similar tastes, but we come to it in, from very different different, uh, angles. And, um, I think Jim just, he, he's good at, at taking the singer songwriter form, which is, you know, a more generic genre, if I can say that, and, and just kind of flip it on its head a little and just, and just figure out ways to make it a bit more interesting on the ear other than just, you know, uh, acoustic guitar, drums, and bass. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. and for me, I love that cause, cause you know, the type of music I listen to is, is more in that vein. Um, you know, mm-hmm. less, less folky than you think I would listen to. Um, so it's, it's just the, the, the endless struggle of, of trying not to sound too much like a singer songwriter when you're a singer songwriter.
0: <laughs> yeah. I dude, I know that feeling, you know, there's, if that there's makes one, any sense. Those, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I was doing the singer songwriter thing before I was playing, uh, with the wilderness and, I, I, I hated how much of a walking cliche I was, you know, like, because I'm like, oh, great, dude walks into a bar, plays fucking four chords about how sad he is, demands to get paid and leaves. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, who? Are, like it, my whole life was one existential crisis. But and that was, I think, one of the reasons why I, I gravitated so strongly towards sort of pushing for the band was because I, I love singer songwriting music. I, at my very core, when I write a song, it's me with my acoustic guitar. I never write a song where I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to load up pro tools and I'm going to start composing and uh, whatever the tech, like I just, for me, guitar, vocals, that's how I write music. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like I listen to, you know, my favorite singer songwriters and musicians are, our singer songwriters like uh, i listened to a lot of like josh ritter and bob dylan and recently been listening to a lot of you but they one of the things that i loved so much and this is a very long-winded way of getting to it one of the things i love so much about quiet Talkers as a record is it was there was there was more to it than just a guy with an acoustic guitar i mean had it been just you and acoustic guitar i would have loved it because i think the songwriting at its core on that record is phenomenal but I yeah, there are there are things on that record that I that I pick out, like just at the very beginning of when we came home, for example, just like the sort of the ambient noise. And then the like the consistent like kick snare pattern and the sound of the kick snare, there's like there's a lot to dig into there. And I think you know you you and Jim did a fantastic job on that record.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. And it's been a learning process for me with that too, because uh Jim and I's first record that we did Huntsville, um which is, you know, I consider a lot more of like a folkie singer-songwriter record than Quiet Talkers and, and the one we're working on now. And that's because I kind of held them back with stuff. I, I, I got scared when we started going outside of the, the singer-songwriter world. But, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm realizing now is, is like you said, you know, I'm writing these songs with a guitar and vocals, but, you know, the bones of the song are there no matter what you do to it. And um so you know Jim's process is just is just to say like we hired a bunch of really good musicians so why don't we just let them do their thing and and if we don't like it we we press the mute button and you know why would why would we hold people back if they have an idea and so that's been really fun for me is just to kind of let go and and let and let the these musicians uh just be creative and 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 listen to their thoughts and then if we don't like it we we fix it but um for the most part we we keep everything that was that's been played initially on on a lot of these songs and um and it's just a more fun way to make a record and like i said at the end of the day it's not like we're uh we're making any like crazy weird uh avant-garde records here like they still the bones of the songs are still there and it's still me singing them so, Totally, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah
0: totally do you find that do you find that sort of uh freeing you know being that you know ken yates this is your project and these are your songs and this is your record and you know if one of the musicians playing on it plays something you don't like you get to say no because personally you know i i play i play in a band and there's six of us and while i i love that sometimes that can be a struggle in the studio when you know there's six opinions going on and six people are married to the project and six people also have an equal say in how they think the song should be you know and do you find that do you find that um like sort of freeing to be able to make the call the shots like that by working as a solo artist.
1: I mean a little bit. Like to be honest, it's usually Jim who's the one that's saying no to stuff. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's nice for me because I can just sort of enjoy being in the studio and enjoy playing music with with other people, which I don't get to do very often as a solo artist. Which is which is mm-hmm. one thing that I love about making records is actually playing with a band because uh, you know I can count on one hand how many times I've actually played with a band. Um, so that for me is just enjoyable. Um, so I just kind of try to enjoy the process of playing with other artists or other musicians and, uh, and then Jim's kind of the one who figures out what works and doesn't work. And, and if, you know, and ultimately the decision does come down to, to what I think, but for the most part, I trust Jim's decisions and, and, uh, and so he's the one who, who has to, you know, say say no to certain things which is which is nice for me.
0: He has to make the tough calls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, you know, you mentioned Huntsville, um and that came out in 2016.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. So uh, one thing that I've noticed um a lot in in your songs uh like there's like real sp- specificity, specificity in the in some of the lyrics, especially uh in regards to like people, places and things um and some of them are obviously very canadian like huntsville and Grey county blues and so on and so on um do you find that that's something that comes naturally do you do you ever think of of that that sort of specificity in the lyrics and like how do you find that sort of international audiences because i know you've played all over, all over the world how do you find that they relate to sort of that little uh like snippet of canadiana
1: yeah, I mean, it seems like from what I can tell that people people are relating to it. Uh, for me, it's just lately, especially I've just been taking songs kind of line by line and and just writing what what I find interesting. You know, even and a lot of times I'll just start with one line and I have no idea what what the song is going to be, but I just kind of build it from that line and and um, you know, I I, I just think. I think a lot of the music I listen to has has that spec- specificity or whatever. <laughs> I can't say the word either but uh, I can't say it either <laughs> <laughs> um specific kind of lyrics and and that's kind of what my ear is drawn to and and it, mostly for me it's just a thing like that I don't like being lazy with is lyrics cuz uh I know that that um you know I know that that uh, I, I just want to grab a listener's ear with however way possible, and and for me that just I, I just want to make sure that every line is as solid as it can be. So that's I tend to rewrite stuff a lot because I'm never really happy with the lyrics, and 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 I spend a lot of time on the lyrics just to make sure that I'm not being lazy with any of them more than anything, just, just, uh, you know, I just constantly come back to it and just say like, is this as good as it could be? Or can I make it better? And, you know, sometimes I drive myself insane with that, but, um, a lot of times I know deep down that I can make something better. So, uh, you know, I'll work on it until, until I feel like it's there, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't really know about the international audiences. They seem to, to respond to it well, but, uh, Yeah, it's hard to say, really, but I think I think people kind of grab, you know, they gravitate to to specific lines, and and it's just cool to to see people kind of finding their own meaning in 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 some of these lines.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally, Um, I like you know what you're saying about being lazy um, and avoiding being lazy with writing lyrics. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves as a songwriter and as a music lover is when I hear a musician say rhyme. Chance with dance, you've lost me. <laughs> when that happens, you know yeah. I'm like, yeah. come on. The, the, the only person who can get away with it is Don McLean and American Pie, right. and that was the only time I think that, that that rhyme should be used. And like, let's put it to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so, I um, I'm, I'm often very similar in, in my songwriting with being like meticulous about the lyrics, and like often one of the pitfalls I find myself in is I've written a song. And I think I put the pen down after writing, and I think this is awful. This is just trash. I can't. I can't. I'm I'm angry with myself for writing it. And I show it to one of my bandmates or a friend, and they're like, "This is, this is great." Yeah. And I think to myself, "What? No, it's not. It's trash." And then they then they have to like sort of massage me into loving my own creation. Is that something that you struggle with too? Absolutely, no. uh,
1: Absolutely, all the time. And that's why you know, I think like my biggest advice to an up up and coming songwriter is to have another either songwriter or person who you, who you trust their opinion, because it's so hard to know what's good and what's not good when you're the one writing it and you're naturally going to be your own worst critic. Right. So, um, so I, you know, I have a a friend who's a singer songwriter, his name is Brian Dunn. And we, uh, we just send every, every new song we write, we send back and forth to each other. And, and actually it's funny cause I was reading our email thread the other day of all our songs and, uh, like all our subject lines and our emails are like, is this good? This could suck, but, uh, this could be terrible. I'm just like, look at our self-confidence here. It's terrible. But, I know. <laughs> um, but that, I mean, I would have been, I, I'd be lost without having somebody to, to tell me if it's good or not, because a lot of the times the songs that I think are, are the best I've ever written, uh, Are kind of you know they turn out to be meh and uh a lot of my most popular songs are are songs that i thought were were total crap and uh and you know somebody usually brian will just say no that's that's a keeper
0: it's so funny actually like you know when when you think that you've written something that that's trash and you send it to your you know musical confidant and they love it and then the flip side of that is being like I've just written a work of art here and then you're so proud of it and you send it to that person. And they're like, dude, what is this? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. That's why I, I tend to just, if I start a song, I just try to finish it. If, if I think it's even remotely good, I just try to finish it and send it off to him as, as soon as it's done and not, not think about it at all and, and right. not get too attached to it. And uh, you know, cause yeah, like you said, you, you uh, you don't want to build it up too much in your mind uh especially if you think it's some sort of masterpiece or something
0: <laughs> right i uh, i had an experience a couple of weeks ago um we've been we've been writing a lot as a band and trying to get get the at least the ideas down for for uh, another record and uh throughout the sort of january lockdown we weren't getting together to rehearse or anything so i was sitting around at home and i, I figured to myself you know what why don't i why don't i try and record a demo where I play all the instruments, I've never done that before. Just to just to get a feel for it, so I sort of buried myself in my room for a couple of days, and I came out with a demo for this song that I'd written for a, uh, a childhood friend of mine, and I obsessed over making it kind of as perfect as it could be, uh, you know, for a bedroom recording. And then I I figured maybe I should send this to them first before I you know record it with the band and putting it out there, so it doesn't like you know completely blindside them that this this song written written about them and in their namesake and so on and so on (laughs) so i said i sent it to my friend and the second i sent it i just had this huge like wave of regret and then i started apologizing for everything everything about it being like you know what it's probably just trash and you probably shouldn't listen to it and the the snare drum's off here and i don't really know how to play bass so i was just kind of making it up as i went along And, and you know the guitar could be better and all this stuff she replies to me saying, "Like this is fantastic. I can't believe anybody would even think to write something." And here I am, being like, "I'm so sorry, I did." This. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so hard to be inside
1: your own head, especially when you're in the middle of writing a song, because sometimes you just lose lose sight of of you know, even like even what kind of song you're writing. You know, like sometimes I think I'm writing an up tempo, uh, you know, uh, banger, and somebody says like, "Oh, this would be a great like, track nine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah. And isn't that always the worst when you've written like the song that you think could be the single and then they're, and they're like, "You know what? That's a great song. Why don't we just put that up right up there on the fridge for everyone to see, you know? And we can come back to that one later." <laughs> right. Just... Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So Quiet Talkers, like I said, is one of my favorite records of all time. I absolutely loved it. And I, you know, like you were t- talking about earlier, having a single coming out every month was I mean, especially going into the lockdown was like something that I looked forward to. I remember uh, when Surviving Is Easy came out, my girlfriend was downstairs. and She's like, Jonas, Kenya's just put out a new song. I ran (laughs) downstairs and listened to it. And it was, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, And like I said, When We Came Home is one of my favorite songs, I think, of all time. Thanks, man. There was one song on there, um, Pretend We're All Right, that I completely glazed over the first listen um and then one night i was at the cottage with with my girlfriend and i heard that and like you know we we were playing the album while making dinner or something and i heard that song and i was like and i'd listened to it before but when i heard it that time i was like i felt like i'd been hit by a bus that song was just spoke to me in a way that like i you know that i've very rarely experienced with uh with music and it was just devastating and how do you write such a devastating song and then record it? The, the, genuinely, I was blown away by it.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that one was that one was a tough one actually. The, I, that one I wrote like two days before we actually started recording. Quiet Talkers. Oh wow! And wow, okay. That the other thing I like about setting a date for making a new album is I is I do tend to squeeze in a couple more songs right at the end, and a lot of those songs end up being some of my favorites on the record. So uh, uh, it, it's just kind of nice to go into the studio with something brand new that you barely have even, uh, worked out yourself. And so that one, I wasn't even sure if it was going to make the record, but I had just written it and, and I, I hadn't even, even sent it, sent a demo to any of the musicians in the studio. And I just kind of said like, uh, I've got this new song if you guys want to try it. And, and that was kind of the, the, the vibe they came up with. And, um, and it, it just kind of it felt like a last song on a record to me and and
0: absolutely yeah
1: and um and i got my friend liz to sing on it which makes it even more devastating cuz she's she's got a beautiful voice and um yeah i uh, i really didn't think that was going to going to make the record uh especially cuz it is so so heavy and so dark and and also just kind of you, you know it's that it's that kind of slow tempo um uh, kind of uh somewhat generic singer-songwriter format but uh after we uh after we recorded it I was kind of like I think I think this one needs to go on
0: and it, I'm so glad it did and like you know talking uh, earlier about you know the little details that 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 uh you know Jim brought to the album process there's I don't know maybe I was like over analyzing it but I noticed like Either is on the ride symbol or on like the crash. There's the sizzle because did he have like a like a the drummer had like a bath chain or something on there that like is I picked up on that detail and it's just like the the way that those those symbols just like ksh, it adds so much to like like the devastation of that song. It's just like everything about it is like like perfect and precise and everything serves a very important role in that song
1: oh cool man yeah i i can't remember what he did to the to that cymbal sound the ride sound Uh, i know we definitely you know that it was on purpose to try to make that that last bit kind of sound washy for lack of better word but he also jim was also playing while we were tracking he was playing electric guitar in the control room uh he was playing it like he 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 found this like clean sound that also has kind of just dist- like heavy distortion in the background. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's cool. Cause he's kind of playing the, the, the guitar part that goes through the whole song, but there's this kind of distant, very heavy distortion behind it. Um, that if you, you know, if you put it up front, it would be crazy sounding, but when it's in the background like that, it kind of has this Epic kind of washy sound to it. So um, that was, that was a fun fun part of the song
0: to make totally man. And yeah, like I said, it's just cover to cover front to back. It's really, truly one of my favorite records ever. And, and it's uh, a real work of art. And you should be like, so like, so stoked on it. Cause uh, thanks man. I, I am appreciate obsessed. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, sorry. I mean, to, to, to keep fanboying so hard, but yeah, it's uh, it's, it's been such a, such a privilege to talk to you today, man. Like, um, as I said, I'm a huge fan of your, your music and, even in the writing process of, of this record I'm working on now with a band, like your name has come up a lot in terms of the, the songwriting and the style. So, you know, you've, you've definitely had a, a big impact on, on myself and my bandmates. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time today to, to, to chat with me and, and, uh, and allow me to fanboy so hard.
1: Yeah, man, anytime. I know I I really appreciate the kind words. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm always up for talking music and songwriting and, and uh and i'm looking forward to to hearing what you guys are working on and and it's nice to nice to uh meet at least uh over the internet and hopefully i'll uh totally, i'll be back in kingston at some point soon and we can uh grab a beer at, at the red house
0: i would love that i would absolutely love that and uh just before you go um for people listening can you just give them a quick way of uh of how they can find you and, and your music
1: yeah you can uh you can go to kenyates.com if you want to uh if you want to order the new record uh, on vinyl or CD, you can find it at kenyates.com and, um, and then everywhere else, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all, all the streaming websites. And, uh, and yeah, and stay tuned for, for hopefully some new music soon.
0: Fantastic. Ken Yates, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a real pleasure talking to you and I, uh, I wish you all the best with the, with the new record.
1: Appreciate it, man. Cheers.
2: found The streets flow through my memory like some kind of disease when we came home i learned that age is just a turn another page and these pages keep on turning now you don't decide the end and i swore i'd never go back again i swore i'd never go back
0: That was when We Came Home by Ken Yates off his most recent record, Quiet Talkers, that came out on May 22nd of 2020. If you like what you heard today, I highly suggest that you head over to his website, kenyates.com or kenyates.bandcamp.com to buy his records. While listening to your favorite artists on Spotify and Apple Music, etc. is helpful, the reality is these services nickel and dime the artists. Per stream, you're only really making about 0.006 cents, fractions of a cent for every stream. When you weigh that up against the thousands of dollars and hundreds and hundreds of hours that artists put into their records, you can see how that doesn't go very far. A service like Bandcamp, however, you can directly support the artist that you like. Ken Yates has his entire discography available on his Bandcamp. For example, Quiet Talkers is available for $10 Canadian or more. I bought the entire record for $25 because I wanted to support. And I encourage you to do the same. These are really trying times for musicians. Touring has been taken away from us, and that's our biggest source of revenue right now. So if you've got an extra couple of bucks kicking around, head over to Ken Yates' Bandcamp, kenyates.bandcamp.com, and buy the record Quiet Talkers. That's all from us this week. The van is loading up, and we are about to embark on another journey through time and space. And we'll see you next Monday for another interview and another chat about rock and roll, showbiz, and the end of the world. Until then, peace, love, rock and roll, take care of yourselves.